Well, good morning. Glad that you're here. It's really more like afternoon, I guess. It's kind of good afternoon-ish. Um, we're starting a brand new series this morning called Living Your Mission. And we believe as a church that God wants to catalyze a movement of missional people who establish communities of other missional people throughout our church, throughout our city, and across our world. And we know that God has made each person to be missional in their own life, uniquely made, to know and live their mission. We know that God wants to bless our world, our city. We know that God wants to use you to bless other people in your homes and bless other people in your schools or at your work. God wants you to bless other people uh, in your families or in your friends. And this is what that series, this series is all about. It's about discovering your mission by understanding the mission of Jesus while getting this picture of how we can bless our world and be missional in the way that we live with five simple yet really dynamic practices that will allow you to live your mission now, today, in your own world. And that's what uh, the next five weeks is going to cover. We're going to cover some real practical steps of how to live your mission out. But I want to tell you this morning, broadly speaking, that you have a mission. That all of us have a mission, and you have one as well. Before we jump into that, let me ask you really quickly, just to get you thinking, what do you have to do tomorrow? What's like on your have to do list? We all have to do lists, right? That you got to get some things done. Think about what do you have to do tomorrow? I have to wake up tomorrow and I got to drive my son to school and then go to work and then I'll, I'll come here and as a pastor, I'll read my Bible and pray all day long. That's all us pastors do. <laughs> and when I'm done praying after hours on end, I'll go home. And I, gotta, I have to solve this bird problem at my house. Anyone ever had a bird problem at your house? Anyone live on Five Mile? Do you have bird problems too at your home? There's a ton of birds on Five Mile for some reason. And a year ago, we started getting this weird bird problem that I have to deal with constantly. And man, does it make my skin boil, all right? So our little like air duct vent on, off our bathroom uh, fan exhaust on the outside of our house got blown off or hit off or however it fell off. And so it left a hole about this big in the side of our house. Unknowingly, I didn't know. I don't go check my vents all the time. A bird had gone in there and, and made a nest and laid eggs. These eggs hatched and became little hatchling birds. At that point, I started to hear them when I was in my bathroom. Like, there's birds in our ceiling. And so I had to get up there in our attic in like a hazmat suit because I got to go deal with birds. And so I'm like in this hazmat suit, like in our, in our attic. And I got these like rafters. They're just like two by fours that you kind of crawl across. 
and you got, you're hunched over, you don't got much space, and there's about a three-foot drop below the raft, like the two-by-fours where all the insulation is. You can't just walk across it because you'll fall through the ceiling, you know what I'm talking about? So you just got to like hover across the rafters, and then I knew that these birds were like a ways down. It'd be like kind of at the bottom of the stage, yet I'm like hanging by a rafter, and there's birds down there. But I had a little like trash picker-upper thing, you know, that you can like pick trash up. So I went up there, and my plan was... I'd get close enough to the birds, hanging on, and then with my little trash picker-upper, pick the birds up, and then the hole was like right over there, it's about this big, and I thought I could just take each bird and (laughs) throw them through the hole. So one by one, threw the birds through the hole, you know, and then they go, and I just thought they'd learn to fly early. They all made it except for one. And then I thought I got rid of the birds. The birds came back a few months later and like in the corner of our, outside of our home, kind of like at the peak of our roof, they got behind like a a piece of siding that's like in this really awkward corner that you have to get up on a tall ladder. It's like, you can't get up in there. It's really difficult. So anyways, I just figured I'd seal it up. So I sealed it up, a bird flew out, the whole deal. And then notice like a week ago or two weeks ago, they're back again. These birds have it out for them, all right? I'm not going to be as nice this next time, one by one picking them up and giving them a little <laughs> roller coaster ride. No, it's, it's going to be the real deal this next time. I have to deal with birds. What do you have to do tomorrow? What's like on your you have to list? Many of us, we have these have-to-get-done things in life. And, and then our life, our day, day in and day out, we wake up and then it's just, you're kind of hit with all the have-tos. Like, you gotta get this done, gotta get that down. And a lot of it can seem mundane, not exciting. You wake up, you make your toast, you make your eggs, you drink your coffee, you read your paper, you drive to work, you do the same job that you've done every day, you sit in your office and do the same thing, You come home, you make your dinner, you watch Netflix, you kiss your wife and turn over and go to bed. (laughs) And you do it again the next day. You wake up and the have-tos are there. Here's what C.S. Lewis wrote about starting your day. And I think this is a great picture of, man, I want my day to look like this, where he said this in Mere Christianity. He said, it comes to the very moment you wake up each morning and all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Wouldn't that be great if every day you woke up, all your wishes and hopes and dreams, you woke up with excitement, that all your wildest dreams just came rushing at you, of like, I can't wait for today. But instead, what we usually wake up and we, what rushes at us like wild animals, all the to-do list stuff, right? All the things I got to get done. And we get in perpetual patterns that we end up living that way over and over and over again. And I'm here to tell you that you have a mission. God has birthed you from the very moment that he created you before you were ever born. When he birthed you, he also birthed inside of you a dream. And a dream so big and so wild and audacious that it would only take God to be able to bring to accomplishment. You have passion inside you that God has wired in there beyond just having to get the have-tos done. 
There's things in your life that you can't not do. You wake up and you have to do them because they come at you like your wildest dreams. I can't not do this. I have to get it done. I want to do it. Frederick Beekner says, what your dream is, what you're made to do is where your greatest passion or your deepest passion meets the world's greatest need. At that intersection right there, where your greatest and deepest passion in your life meets the world's greatest need, whatever that is, that's what he would say your dream is, where God birthed inside you. That's what you should be pursuing. But many of us, we end up not pursuing those things. But you have a mission. And I believe each person has a mission in their life. So compelling, you have to do it. You can't not do it. It's been wired in you. God birthed it in you. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to discover it. I believe that discovery begins with Jesus. To better understand our mission, we have to better understand Jesus' mission. Why did Jesus wake up? What did he wake up for? What did he do in life? What did he uh, die for? What are these things? We all find ourselves somewhere within the mission of Jesus. And we've all been challenged to live like Jesus. So I believe our mission is found within him and his mission. And so this morning, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at three integral pieces of Jesus' mission in his life, what he woke up for, and then how that can translate to us and that maybe we'd find our mission within that. We're going to look at the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament. Uh, if you want to turn there now, we're going to be in chapter 4. If you've got your iBible with you, phone's fine. All right, we're all adults here. You can bust that out. We're going to John chapter 4. And here's this story in John chapter 4 where Jesus meets this woman at the well. And maybe some of you have read this story or you know this story. And if not, we're going to go over it in detail and it's going to be a great story for you to better understand. But many of you maybe have even read this story, and it sounds familiar to you as we go through it. But there's one aspect, one really important piece of this story, which oftentimes goes unnoticed, and it actually ends up kind of changing your perspective of the story in and of itself. And there's this moment that Jesus had that it was one of those, I can't not do. It's I have to do it. Moments. And so this is where it begins in John chapter 4, verse 3, where it says, so, so he, Jesus, he left Judea, and he went back to Galilee. Probably had done that plenty of times. Jews make that trip back and forth all the time. And then in verse 4, it says, now he had to go through Samaria. Now, if you could underline, had to. Now, you could read that verse two different ways, and it might change your perspective of this story. The first way you could read it would be Jesus had to go from Judea back to Galilee, and uh, he had to go through Samaria. Had to go through there. And I, get the, I have to get the birds done. You could read it as uh, he had to go through this place that the Jews didn't want to go through. Or, and then that might shape your perspective. If he's there, and then this woman comes along, and he's like, oh, a woman's here. I guess, yeah, since you're here, I'll talk with you. Or you read it this way, in which Jesus thought to himself, 
I have to go there. I have to go to Samaria. I can't not go to Samaria. There was this compelling cause and purpose. I have to be there because there's a woman I must talk with. And here we see Jesus go take this position where I can't not go to Samaria because Jesus could have gone a different route. He could have easily taken a different path. And you do a little bit of homework and history behind this, you realize that Jews, they didn't go to Samaria. And the Samaritans didn't like interfacing with them. And the Jews didn't like interfacing with the Samaritans. It was like, you know, Seahawks versus 49er fans. Like they don't get along. And if you're a 49er fan, I'm sorry for you and your family. But they didn't get along. And it, and it was far deeper than just a football rivalry, all right? You just didn't do that. And so Jesus could have and probably had before, and some of his other disciples that were with him had probably taken other paths from Judea to Galilee before, plenty of times. Jesus could have taken an easier path, a more accepted path, a, a more familiar path that his friends were along. But Jesus had a mission that he woke up for that he woke up and said, I have to go there. I can't not go there. There's a woman I must talk with. So then as we read the story with that lens, we see that Jesus is on mission here, that it was a very uh, specific choice in what he did. So then when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, and this was at midday, hottest part of the day, Typically, you wouldn't find you know, a woman alone at midday during the hottest part of the day out fetching water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman said, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. She was most likely, I mean, she had probably tried to avoid Jews her whole life. But then... She was also trying to most likely avoid other people, even the other Samaritans in her life, going to the well at midday alone. Most likely because she was an outcast of her village and people didn't want to be around her, or she had made some questionable decisions and she had a bad reputation and you didn't want to be caught with her. So she was just alone. So here's this woman, and even though she probably had somewhat of a questionable uh, reputation, Jesus didn't stop him. He specifically went there. He was going to reach her where she was at, treat her with dignity, respect, and love, even though she was an outcast. And so the first part of Jesus' mission is to reach people. Jesus wants to reach people. And he woke up and said, I have to go reach this woman. I can't not do it. It's part of the dream that's inside of me. Think of where you're at in your life. What's routine to you? What are the paths that you take every day that you interface with the same people? The paths that you take that are customary, they're similar, they're familiar, they're accepted. And what we see here is that Jesus didn't take the familiar accepted path. He went on a different path for a very specific reason to reach people. And part of Jesus' mission is to reach people. 
And then we find ourselves within that very mission that, well, we have to reach people too. We can't not reach people. But it's easy to take the familiar path and the accepted path because we could look down another path where you, you, you could go reach people over here, but you know, there's hurts down that path. I don't want to go chasing my hurts. This path, it's not accepted. I might be ridiculed. Or, 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 or maybe this path over here, it's, it's difficult. And I like having easier roads. But Jesus... What he says is that we need to reach people. And there's people every day all around us that need to be reached. They're in your families. They're in your schools. They're on your campus. They're at your work. They're, in, they're some of your friends. And Jesus asks us to sometimes go down a path that may not be what is routine so that we could reach people in our communities, just like he's reached many of you and me, that he is, his mission is to reach other people and to give us love and dignity in the process. He wakes up every day so he can go reach people. And so here's Jesus answers her. She's like, why would I give you a drink of water? So Jesus answers, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up in eternal life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water. I want that. So part of what Jesus does is he goes and reaches others, reaches people. But then the second piece of his mission is he's there to restore as well. Jesus' mission is to restore others that he wants to bring us the water that heals and the living water that restores and refreshes our life. And God's dream for you and for me is to be in a perfect relationship with him and with others. That we would be in this perfect harmony and peace with God and with the people around us. That we would be whole. That we'd be loving God and loving people. But our world is broken because of sin. And there were people in this own Samaritan woman's life who said that they would love her, but instead they used her, abused her. And because of some bad choices that she made in her, whole, in her life, God's dream for her was broken and shattered. Here he says, he told her, go and call your husband, come back. Well, she said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right, when you say you have no husband, the fact is that you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you said is quite true, she says. Here, her brokenness is revealed. That she's an outcast because of some pretty spotty reputation she has and choices that she's made. And God's dream for her was shattered and broken in the midst of sin 
and in the midst of her own choices and in the midst of some unjustness that was probably done unto her, that men had said they would love her but probably just used and abused her. And because whether it was because of her own choices or whether it was because of unjust things that happened to her, God's dream was shattered and broken. That that perfect harmony between him and others was broken. But Jesus just didn't walk away. He didn't have a nice conversation with her and then just walk away. What he did was he gave her love, dignity, but then wanted to restore her, bring healing in her life, to be fully restored. So understand this. This is really important. Jesus didn't just come to forgive you from your sins. He came to restore your brokenness and then to bring to life inside you the dream that he birthed in there. Sometimes it's easy just to think of Jesus as the person that we confess our daily or weekly trespasses or sins to, and then he forgives them. But Jesus is far more than just the forgiver of our sins. Jesus is the one who restores us back to wholeness through uh, his work in our lives, and then at the same time brings to life the dream that he birthed in there before creation. And all of us are broken. And you could look to your left or to your right, and the people around you are broken, every single one, myself included. I don't know your past or your history, but I don't need to because I know you're broken, and I'm broken. Because we live in a broken world. All of us have brokenness. And all, God's dream for humanity was broken and shattered when sin entered the world. But God comes to bring us restoration. In the areas of your life where you have hurt that is too deep to figure out, God wants to bring living water to refresh and restore you. And then through that, through that restoration of experiencing that living water and the restoration in our life, I believe that in those places is where we find our deepest passion and our greatest, and the world's greatest need. For me, when I was in elementary school, I was sexually abused by someone who I really cared about and who really cared for me. And through that, that just doesn't fix itself overnight. And God's, and something that happened that was unjust to me shatters pieces of brokenness in my own heart. And you don't just wake up and drink your coffee and read the newspaper and then go to bed and think it's going to fix itself. But God wants to bring restoration through whether it just be unjust things or whether it be through your own bad choices. God wants to bring that. And one of the big reasons we do every year the Greater Than Conference, which is a conference that we host for free to our community, that is just saying that Jesus is greater than what the world uh, tells us about sexuality. And we, we talk about what biblical sexuality is, that there's hope found in Jesus, and that through him you can be fully restored. It's really important to me. And the reason why we started this years ago It's a deep passion of mine, and I believe that it's a great need in our world. There, you find a piece of your dream that when you've experienced God reaching you, restoring you, and then you experience 
some of those deep passions and understanding what the deep and great needs are in our world. There's people all around us that need restoration. Whether it be because of unjustness in this world or their own choices. Our mission is the same as Jesus, which is to bring restoration to people. And to bring them to Jesus who offers the living water that refreshes, restores life. The areas where our soul aches and is thirsty for health. The areas in our life that is broken and shattered. That is where God meets us through his son Jesus to bring restoration. Lastly, Jesus' mission is to reproduce Reproduce mission in the lives of others. To reproduce mission in the lives of others. Now, wouldn't we like it if it was God, Jesus' mission was to reach, restore, and then relax? Wouldn't we like that? You know, that's kind of been my saying this week as I've been talking with staff: is it's reach, restore, relax. Because a lot of times that's how it ends up playing out in our life, doesn't it? That we. We end up uh, having an encounter with Jesus and that we feel like he's reached us and then he's restored pieces of our life. And then what do we end up doing? A lot of times then we go, okay, now I've been restored and I can uh, relax, right? And I can go to church and I can you know, show up to a, a Bible study and just relax in the presence of God. You know, Jesus has reached me and restored me. And a lot of times it ends up playing out that way, but that is not God's complete mission. God's complete mission is that not only would he reach people, restore people, but he would reproduce mission in other people's lives. And then those people would then go reproduce mission in other people's lives. That it's not just about getting restored and then relaxing in church, or I'm a Christian now, so like I just get to learn more about God. Part of Jesus' mission that that brings it all together is reproducing mission in other people's lives. And then those people going and reproducing mission in other people's lives. Look at what happened to this Samaritan woman. It's the exact thing. We read something just amazing happened. This woman who was far from God, who was sinful, who was broken, shattered, who was an outcast from the others around her, she responded to this life-altering event that took place with the person of Jesus And then she took that and reproduced that mission in her community where she was at. This is what it says in verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, she even take the water that she went to get, right? Leaving her water jar, the the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then verse 39, what we see is many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of this woman's testimony. You have to. You can't not reproduce mission in other people. You don't get to just reach or be reached, get restored, and then relax. The mission of Jesus is where all three of these things intersect, where he's reaching others, where he's restoring people, and then he's reproducing mission in their life, where then that turn goes and reproduces mission in other people's lives. So it'd be someone like, I can't not go to school today. I have to go to school today. I wake up and I have to do that because there is a person there that, that uh, they've been you know, reached 
by God, and I want to reproduce mission in them so that now there's two people at my school who are trying to reproduce mission and bring uh, restoration to other people's lives at my school. And then those two people, all of a sudden, they're doing that too, and now there's four people. And then that four is eight, right? Or there, there is a woman at my work who I need to reach her. I know God wants to restore her life, and then God's going to use her to reproduce mission in other people's lives. That is the mission of Jesus, that people would be reached all across our world, that those people would experience restoration from brokenness, and then it wouldn't stop there, that then those people would respond and they would reproduce mission in other people. This is what God said in Genesis. He said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all people on earth will be blessed through you. God wants to use you to bless all the earth. He wants to use you to reach all the earth. He wants to use you to bring restoration to your entire workplace. God wants to use you that you might reproduce mission in other people's lives so that they would go and reach their campus. Or they would go and reach their family or their friends. Or that they would go and reach other people across the, the world. You have a mission that you can live in right now. And I believe all of us find ourselves somewhere within God's mission. Within the mission of Jesus, we all find ourselves that Jesus is trying to reach you. Maybe you've never responded to him in your life. Jesus has been trying to reach you since the day you were born. He's been with you, walking with you. He's been relentlessly pursuing you. And maybe it's time that you just respond to that and say yes to him. Or maybe you find yourself in the midst of restoration. I'm broken and I need it. And maybe you find yourself in that place of, I need restoration in my life. Maybe for you, you find your, yourself in the place of, it's time for me just to get up and start reproducing mission in others. I want to see others be reached. I want to see others be uh, restored. And then I want to see others respond and reproduce mission in more people. Where do you find yourself? Because I wholeheartedly believe that your deepest and greatest passion, the dream that God has birthed inside you, is found within the mission of Jesus. And within that, that is where I believe our communities are shaped by you and by me, that God has called you to bless the entire world. And over the next course of the next five weeks, we're going to look at, well, how do we bless our world really practically in our life? Let's live our mission today. Let's reach people. Let's bring restoration to people. And let's reproduce mission and see it, Jesus at work all throughout it and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. The ways that you've reached us, how you're actively trying to restore us. And Lord, we want to respond and reproduce mission in other people. Lord, inspire us to say yes to you today. We love you and thank you and pray this in your name.
Amen. Thank you, Nate. And um, gosh, I hope, like me, you feel inspired to, uh, to pursue God's mission and the, and the dream that he's placed within. We're going to get really practical about that in the course of the next few weeks. And so I want to make sure to invite you, but also to invite you to invite others to come with you as we get super practical, super tangible, super kind of boots on the ground about how is this that we can uh, reproduce what God has done in our lives and see mission reproduced in others. So we'll look forward to that. See you next week. If you would like someone to pray with you or pray for you about really anything, uh, that team will be over here over on this side of the auditorium up front. If you're new or newer to the church, I would love to meet you, meet you for just a few minutes right over here for First Connect underneath the monitor there. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.